You're listening to the Flip Houses Like a Girl podcast, where we educate, empower, and celebrate everyday women who are facing their fears, juggling family and business, embracing their awesomeness, and wholeheartedly chasing their dream of flipping houses. Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house-flipping coach, Debbie DeBeery. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. So in today's episode, I am having a conversation with one of our flip sisters in South Texas. Her name is Darcy, and she is taking us through her first three flips that she did uh, within a year of joining our program. And I think you'll find her second flip particularly interesting because it's something we haven't talked about too much on the podcast. Because her second flip, they purchased it using creative financing. They did a subject to deal on it. So we'll get into that, uh, as well as her other flips and lessons learned and just her story. I think you will really connect with her. She was a nurse. She has a husband and kids and she's just, she's awesome. You'll love the story. You'll be inspired to go take action. And that's what it's all about. All right, let's meet Darcy. So let's go, let's start talking about these because this is good stuff. This is such good stuff. Okay. So let's do the usual. Introduce yourself. Let us know where you are, a little bit of your background. Okay. So I'm Darcy. I'm from South Texas. Um, my, my trades are registered nurse, mom to four boys. And, uh, as of last year, I became a flipper. Where are you located? I don't remember if you said that in South Texas, I'm an, I'm an hour North of Corpus Christi. Okay. Small town, 13,000. Yeah. Tiny town. Have you always been there? Um, pretty much. I grew up here and then Moved away um, closer to Corpus for a few years for college. Okay. And then ended up moving back to be close to family. Nice. Uh, yeah, we really do like it here. Okay. So you did three projects last year. I did. So let's let's kind of go through each one and do kind of a, you know, a highlights, lowlights, um, <laughs> you know, stats. I think that'd be super beneficial because you did some interesting stuff and you, you're like your first property, you listed mm-hmm. it for sale after the market shift, right? And then mm-hmm. you did this cool subject to deal. And mm-hmm. then you did another flip that you're, you, you've learned some lessons on. on yeah. <laughs> that, the one that I kind of call the flop. <laughs> yeah. The flop. Okay. Gosh, we all have one of those, if not more. Okay. So walk us through your first one. So you, you found the property before joining the program. How did you find it? So my husband is a, um, an electrician by trade. And for years, you know, he's pulled into these real estate properties and new builds and this and that. And it really piqued his interest to get in a building and maybe do new construction 
a friend saw the potential that my husband had and asked him to remodel his house. And he partnered with someone else and did that. And they, they did really well. Um, so my husband decides he wanted to find a house in the neighborhood to flip. And I wasn't really on board with it. Interesting. And, uh, until one day he said, so we're in a contract for a house. And I'm like, do what? <laughs> and, uh, I only paid 45,000 for it. Do what? (laughs) So we sat on that house for a little bit because he was actually finishing his friend's house, the remodel. Okay. So once his friend's house was concluding, I thought I've got to get someone on board to help us because he wants me to help him with this. And I have no idea what I'm doing here and uh, we can't lose any more money than what we've already put into this. So I started going online and trying to find help. And I came across, I think, one of your podcasts. And you mentioned something about living in Texas and not having a basement. I'm like, she must be somewhere near me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I saw you're from Austin and that, you know, you're here to motivate women. I'm like, that's what I need. Yes. I love it. My husband's just a go-getter. And me, I'm I'm more timid. I'm a researcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good balance. It is. It is. But uh, I felt like you'd be a good mediator for us. So. <laughs> yeah, that house I call Anderson. And um, once we got on the program with you, it took us six months to flip. Okay. And did y'all do a lot of the work yourselves? Yes. So my husband was the GC. Um, he had people do the roof, but um, plumbing, everything else. Um, oh, and sheetrock. Everything else he did on his own. Or we did together. Okay. Did you enjoy that part? I did. Um, I really did. And I loved seeing how much my husband loved it too. Uh-huh. So, and I loved that it was right by our house. So we would walk there every day. Our neighbors would see us. Our kids would go with us. We saw how it was just a street behind us. And everyone else started taking care of their houses. The house next door, it got painted. They put a new roof on. Um, they really became our neighbors. I would water the grass and forget to turn off the sprinkler and our neighbor would go turn it off for us. And it was, um, I really liked that experience. I did. That's really cool. That's really cool. And this house had been abandoned since before Hurricane Harvey. It had, it had um, all the windows had been covered up since before Hurricane Harvey. Oh my gosh. Which was what year? 2016? Yeah, I think so. Good grief. So yeah, I bet the neighbors were thrilled to see it coming back to life. Yeah, that that makes a big difference in what you see when you leave your house and when you get back to your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was just owned by an investor that he had inherited a lot of properties in our area and he had moved to Austin and didn't do anything. And my husband just saw it there and Went and talked to a real estate agent and, you know, it was done pretty quick, but, but yeah, all in all, we had it for a year. We bought it. We sat on it until we came to your program and got started. So did you pay cash for that? We did. Okay. Uh, Hence the, what are you doing? (laughs) Exactly. We did. And then um, when we sat down and really put the numbers together and saw how much it was going to cost. Um, once he started tearing into it, we seeked uh, PMLs. 
Oh, cool. Nice. Okay. So what was, what ended up being your renovation budget? What'd you guys put into that one? We ended up spending 110,000 and that was about 20 grand over what I thought we were going to spend. Okay. But our ARV was also, um, $35,000 more than what I thought we were going to sell it for when we first started the repairs in January. When you put it on the market, did you put it, it was on May? The, and in May, was that when y'all started shifting? No, we didn't start shifting here until October. Mm-hmm. Ah, see, interesting. Interesting. So that's so remember this, because this is where things change for us on our second flip that we sold in November. So so with this one, there was another um flipping couple in town that had sold a house and got really good money for it in a not so great neighborhood. And I reached out to the wife and she kind of told me some things that she did. And my husband and I decided, you know what, we, we found somebody that's going to be a potential buyer and he was a doctor in town. And, uh, we said, you know what, let's make this house a little nicer than what we thought we were going to do. Mm. So Together, we decided to put in a few more bells and whistles, mm-hmm. get a little bit more curb appeal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but even then, we put the house on the market for 214, which was a gamble because no one in this area flips a house the way we did, besides that other couple. They were the first ones to break the mold. And they sold theirs for like 159 a square foot what we were asking for ours was 160 a square foot. Um, We put it on the market and within 24 hours, we had seven offers, which was unheard of in our little County. Our real estate agent was just like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) what do I do? (laughs) And and we wanted to keep it on the market for a week because we wanted to showcase everything Mm we did. She's like, we can't do that. Like we have so many, we don't need any more offers. Mm -hmm. And all but one of them were at asking or over. And the one that wasn't at asking, I was kind of glad because we knew these people and knew it would be a, a pain to oh, deal with. Them. So luckily they weeded themselves out, but it it was a good, but still a problem to have having that many people. Yep. And then have the issue of knowing that most people are going or all of them had to have financing. Mm. You're going to have to deal with this appraisal. Yes. The appraisal was not going to meet our asking price or the contracted price. So the doctor who wanted the house, he uh, he was not our highest, but he did give us asking. And what our agent decided to do was to send a letter out to everyone. Well, she, you know, of course she, told us about it too, but she said, I think we should send a letter out to everyone telling them to give us their best and biggest offer. And I said, okay. I said, I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, you know? And it did. It mm-hmm. ruffled feathers. The doctor was the first one to pull out. He, uh, he was very offended by it. And whenever I went to visit the flip sisters in Austin to go see your latest flip. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I couldn't even, enjoy it because um, I was just 
I felt so bad that I offended this doctor. I kind of felt like I had put this house together with him in mind. Mm. As soon as I got back to Beeville, I like went to knock on his door and be like, listen, I, you know, just give him my heart and say, you know, here's where I'm at. And I even wrote letters out to everyone and sent it to my real estate agent and just said, listen, first, I want to thank you for the offer that you gave us because they were all great offers. There's just seven of them to choose from. I don't like multiple offers. Like, I know it sounds great, but they're stressful because everybody except for one person is going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you start looking and I'm like, I'm not going to make this personal. And next thing I know, I'm like, I'm still in a small town because I, so I knew most of these people or their relatives if they were moving here from out of town. So here's what I did. I looked at all the different offers. And I looked at how much money each person was putting down on the house. One in particular was putting down 50 grand, but it was a VA loan. My real estate agent said, mark that one out. It's a VA. My husband said, mark that one out. It's a VA. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because it's going to be a bigger issue with the appraisal. If it doesn't meet appraisal, it's going to fall through. So me being a researcher, I am, I look and no, it says that if it doesn't meet appraisal, the the buyer is more than welcome to come up with the money to make up the difference. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So I really stuck to my guns on that. Like my husband was pissed. <laughs> my real estate my real estate agent thought I was crazy, but I didn't see anyone else that could potentially come up with the funds. I'm like, if they have fifty grand to put down, I feel like they would be able to come closer. Where some of these others. We had two that were FHA. Oh gosh, yeah. They put down the bare minimum. I'm willing to think that they're not going to be able to come up with an extra eight to 10 grand if needed. So that's who we went with. And it did take a little bit longer because this gentleman, he had um, left the service many years ago. So it was hard to come up with the documentation for his VA loan to go through. Oh gosh. But um, his agent and my agent worked together to find him um, a conventional loan. And it finally went through. So it took like 35 days to close. Got it. That's not bad. We, no. And we sold the house for 220 instead of 214. So we thought we were only going to make like 22 to 23K on this house. And that was with the co- accounting for holding on to it for 12 months. But we ended up making 36, 640, <laughs> you know, which is that's good for our little town of 13,000. <laughs> no, that's incredible. It's not just good. That's incredible. That's like 15 plus percent or something. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And f- after holding it for 12 months, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And um, in the middle of all of this, so when my husband was working on his friend's property, I would drive over there because I ended up, this man is a bachelor and I had to act as his wife and making decisions on different things which was really cool. I loved it because I got to stage his house. I helped him pick out so many different things. Really cool. But on my way over there, I I would pass by this house that looked abandoned and he had told us about it too. And he said, Hey, you guys need to go see what's going on with it. And when I was in your program, I learned about something called subtus. So this house, I end up tracking down the owner and there was, um, a carpenter that we subcontracted to do some work. 
And I said, hey, do you know this guy? Because we all grew up here. And I thought maybe they know one another. And he said, yeah, I grew up with him. He found me his number. I contacted the guy, learned that he liked to text. So we texted for a little bit and then he fell off the radar. And then I had paid for a foreclosure um, app and that house showed up on the app in, in, let me see, in January of last year. So I messaged him and I said, hey man, um, I'm, I'm bothering you again just because I want you to know that your house is officially like going to go to auction in February. And if you want to sell it, like I'm seriously interested. You want to meet up tomorrow? And he said, yeah, let's meet. Did he know that it was going into, that it was going to auction? So, you know, this house, he, he stopped paying on it for golly, almost a year. Mm-hmm. But with COVID, yeah, they weren't foreclosing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So they finally opened it up and he didn't realize like, okay. He didn't realize. But he was, he was just so far behind. He didn't have the funds and yeah. he had moved out and it just wasn't conducive for him to try to save it. Yeah. But um, without going into his personal story, it was just he and his wife were no longer together, but it was community property. So not only did I have to convince him, but I also had to convince her and they weren't exactly on, they were sort of on speaking terms, but sometimes he was in and out of the picture. But um, for me, it, it was personal in that 14 years ago, my husband and I almost lost a house and we thought it was our dream house. And it was during 2008 mm. and the whole uh, bubble bursting. I, I had lost my job. We decided to move back to our small town. And uh, wow, it was an investor that contacted us. Wow. And uh, we ended up doing a short sale mm-hmm. on the house. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got to come back home with, uh, with decent credit. Right. <laughs> and with some dignity. Right. And that's all I could think about for this couple. And I know for me, you know, I've had sales jobs before, but then I ended up going back into nursing because I love healthcare and I love helping people. Yeah. So that was a big motivator for me on this house. And um, we ended up purchasing it with about an hour left for me to get a money order to the lender to keep it from going to auction that following Tuesday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, um, and got, um, a couple grand in his pocket too. So I think this is a really great conversation because so many people are like, why would a seller ever agree to a subject to deal? Mm -hmm. They don't get it. Right. And we can say, well, these are the reasons why. Nope. Doesn't make any sense to me that I would never agree to any of that. Why would I agree to somebody taking over my loan? Like, why would I do that? So how would you answer that question as it relates to this specific transaction? Sure. So for this person, you know, they ran into issues where he was laid off at his job. Um, He had made some bad choices that cost him his his family and his health. Mm. And uh, he was trying to get himself back on track. 
and he had just given up the idea of being able to take care of this property, an acre of land that had been let go for a year and a house that had sat vacant. And he just didn't see any way to get out of it other than just let it go. And, um, you know, for the, for the wife, she moved back home with her family and, uh, she wasn't working. She didn't have a way to save it either. So, and I know for me personally, we tried to put our house on the market for sale by owner because we didn't have it for very long and we didn't have equity in it. And I just thought, man, if we go and sell it, we're not going to have the money to be able to, to get out of arrears, you know? So um, I had agents call me. I even had my old agent that had sold it to me going, what are you doing girl? Like I see this for sale by owner sign in your yard. Why didn't you call me? And I'm like, because I can't get for it what I bought it for. And um, yeah, it was investor out of Dallas that called me. And I'm just still so appreciative for that. See, exactly. I think this is, it's, this is such an important conversation. It doesn't, the, the person on the other end, the person who owns the property, it doesn't have to be that they feel like they got the raw end of the deal. They mm-hmm. can feel like they got saved. Like, oh my God. Right. They, they totally saved me because credit gets saved, dignity gets saved, like all kinds of things get saved mm-hmm. when we can do a creative financing deal like that. Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, and you just have to be super upfront and let them know the pros and the cons of it. And we really did try to figure out what we could do without doing the sub two. But at the time it was just, we had to act so quickly that there wouldn't be time for like a full sale. Right. Yeah. And you can't get, you, you can't go get a loan that fast. Like it's, you had to subject two was the way to stop it being that close to auction. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you took over their payments. Mm-hmm. We took over their payments and um, gave them a, a couple grand. And even the subcontractor that helped me get in touch with him, that went and knocked on his door I gave him a couple hundred dollars. Nice. Um, I got in touch with um, the attorney that you told us about, Allison Tipton. She's the one that helped us with the transaction. She was great. Awesome. Um, I had a friend that worked at a bank here that was a notary. She was able to help this couple, you know, do the notary, um, help them with the money order. She helped me. Um, She became part of the team too. And that's awesome. So now this house, we have ended up paying off that note because we have decided to keep it and move into it. Nice. We tore into it and saw that there was some extensive termite damage. My husband's very good at tearing into things. (laughs) I'm I'm learning this. I'm learning this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's out on an acre. Um, and it just, it's going to fulfill a dream for us where we can go to a bigger spot for our two boys that we, we have two that are already out of the house and two younger ones. And one of them has health issues and I haven't been able to work full time because of it. He's home a lot. It's going to give us more like running area. Um, we're going to, we're able to design this house the way we want it. And it's so neat to go and, and fix up a house like we did at Anderson. But it's going to be even neater to be able to live in it. 
and say, we did that. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, that's really cool. But here's where we come into our flop. (laughs) (laughs) So while we were waiting on Anderson to close, a friend of mine started uh, calling me. She lived out of town, but she's a real estate agent. And she was trying to sell a house for someone that lived here in town whose mother was a widow and needed to move out and move closer to her family. And this person did not want to put their house on the MLS. The daughter didn't because I think she was just so embarrassed of the state of the house. Her mom was elderly. Um, There was just a lot of stuff in it. It was really run down. And I think that just emotionally, it was just too much for her to handle. Sure. So her friend was looking for an investor in town that would buy it off market. And I didn't want to look at it because I was just still so focused on Anderson and this sub two that finally, when it was starting to close, she's like, Darcy, I'm about to put out flyers on this house. Will you please just come look at it before I do? And when we did, I saw, oh my gosh, it's wrapped in brick. So we don't have to tear it down. So it's exciting all over it. It's going to need a new roof, It's but it's gone a third of an acre in this neighborhood that I never drove through in our tiny town. It's in town, but it's not. There's oak trees everywhere. It's a quiet street and it's a little house. But I mean, I think that the sheetrock is salvageable. I think that the kitchen is salvageable. And I quickly saw that this is a great flip for us to do in maybe three to four months and make a decent profit on it and use it in the house that we wanted to move into. Nice. The yeah. Until. Oh, God. <laughs> it's always those. It's going to be a quick, easy one. It's going to yeah. be a quick, easy one. You know how I mentioned my husband's really good at tearing into things. <laughs> Yeah. The first thing that he saw was this yard and its potential, but he saw that there was just so much brush. So he, he hired someone to go out there and clear that. And then he started tearing into some trees. He decided, um, I'm going to take a break from doing electrical while I just focus on this house so we can get it done quickly. And that was such a big mistake because, you know, we didn't take into account that he's not bringing money in. And we needed to consider him as labor and pay him, you know, as such. And then I said, why don't we have some people come in and help you so that we can get it done faster? But those people that came in and helped, there was a lot of dead weight. So we paid more than we should have. Some of the projects we asked for help on, they did on time and material instead of us asking for a cost up front. And, you know, coming from a small town, they won't do me wrong. And maybe they didn't, but it didn't work in our budget. And I found within two months, we were already through, oh gosh, not even that. A month and a half, we were already through like 80% of our budget. And a lot of it was like buying things up front, like the floor, you know, things that weren't put laid out yet. Yeah. So my husband's like, don't worry. We've already bought most of it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You still have so much labor. Right, right. And um, so that house. Hmm. What did you pay for it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, that was my first mistake also. So we paid 70. Okay. 
I had offered 65 okay. and the mutual friend who was their agent, she said, they asked if you would go up to 70 because, um, this is the last of the money that their mom has for her, for her care. Oh gosh. And I didn't see that number. Like my, when I used my deal analyzer, like 65 was already like the top of what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, but I kept thinking, well, it's got brick, you know, so we're not going to have to do that much. So I could pay a little bit more, but I said, okay, we'll do the 70. Cause we were afraid someone else was going to snag it. Now I could have been like, we can give you 66 or no, we just, I wish we could, but this is our top. And I had also said to help get the deal, I said, if you feel comfortable representing both of us, because this mutual friend, she did come in from Houston and she cleaned that house out herself. Oh, wow. And I said, I would feel comfortable you getting the full commission on this house. Yeah. You know, but I also, you know, I don't know. Sometimes your heart gets in the way and you do dumb things instead of looking at the numbers. So I did. Sometimes. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went with the 70. And I thought that our repairs were going to be at about 50, 53,000. They ended up being 103. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So going back to Anderson, we were we were very fortunate to sell it for over asking price and sell it at that amount. But this house, the market started shifting. And we saw houses that would have been selling really quickly a few months back were sitting on the market and they were starting to reduce their price. Mm -hmm. And that made me nervous. But my husband said, you know what? So many people, I mean, we were getting phone calls left and right. People wanting us to remodel their houses or do you have any houses on the market? He's like, I know we can sell this one the same way we did Anderson. And he was like, I think we could even get 170 a square foot for this. And you get tied up on that lingo because that's what the real estate agent is telling you. But the real estate agent isn't having to put money into it to hit that 170. Right. Right. Where before, I mean, I was going to get like, I was hoping for like 140 something a square foot. I didn't want to play that game again. Yes. Because how often does somebody have that much money to put into the deal where they can pay the difference from what it appraises for and what you're asking? Right. But I finally just did this and said, okay, we just got to get this house put back together. And this may be a big lesson learned. And it was. Because we ended up selling the house for 170 a square foot, which is great. Yeah. We ended up selling it for 200,000, where I was hoping to sell it for 175, 180,000 before. We did sell it for 200,000, but we had just put so much into it. Um, when everything was said and done, we only made about 11,000 on it. But you made money. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to say you lost all this money. Well, but think about this, Debbie, my husband didn't work for four months. Yep. 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 And that, that, that doesn't include his labor. Got it. Okay. Okay. You know, so no, I mean, we weren't, 
if it weren't for that, you know, we would, we're not in the red, but we were, we were in the red. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, we put it on the market for two Oh five and within 24 hours, we had two offers. Our, our agent brought a cash buyer to the table and he offered us 200. And then a funny thing right across the street lived a husband and wife that were actually divorced, but still living together. The wife or the ex-wife wanted to buy the house. I guess she'd been watching us work on it for months and she out of nowhere puts an offer in. It's so random. Yeah. For full asking, but, um, you know, she was going to have a loan and we knew at 170, well, it was going to be 174 square foot. I think, um, I knew that it would not appraise for that. And it was like, how do you not take the cash sale? So we took it and it closed in two weeks. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. I wasn't having to worry about it during Christmas, but now here I am in February and I'm going, should I have gone back to the cash buyer and said, you know, we'll take 203. I just need to thank my lucky stars that we got out of it. Leave well enough alone. Right. Like it's, it's, it is, it's a trade-off of stress. And what are you willing to trade? What are you willing to trade? And, and we're also going to always think, oh gosh, I could have done that differently. I should have done that differently. What would you say your biggest lessons learned were on that specific house? That you have to stick to your numbers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you have to stick to your numbers. You have to not be afraid to communicate with your team. And when I say team, I mean the people that are working on the project. Do not hire someone time and material on this because how the heck are you going to stick to a budget? Um, and they need to know that you have a budget, that you're not just an endless you know, money bag. And this is where it gets tricky being married to your general contractor. I was getting ready to move out and move into that house. Well, I was thinking about um, the episode that uh, just released with Toby, right? And she, so she and her, her husband is a GC and mm-hmm. she's like, you know what? It sounds great. It sounds like that would be the best thing ever, but it also comes with some challenges of, of its own, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely. You know, and, and there were just, there were some things that we did agree on, but I feel like so often that we would have to argue through it, especially with that one. And I didn't like that. I love the kids got to see the same things like they did at Anderson, their parents working hard. And, you know, my kids of this day, my son's like, mom, there's a house on the market over there. You want to go look at it? I love it. You know, and what would you do to it and stuff? But I feel like there was also a lot of emotional turmoil between my husband and me on that one. Okay. And being able to reflect on it now, because now, you know, we are flipping this house to move into at Loma Linda, the sub two. And that's really cost us because instead of having more money to put into that house, we now have less right, and less time because, um, my husband is burnt out on his job as an electrician and he's decided to go back to the power company. 
Okay. And now he's like in this mad rush to try to get as much of it done as he can before he goes back to a full-time position. And I'm really sad for him because he is so good at what he does. It, he, we've just, if he, if we ever can entertain it again, whether it's flipping or remodeling for people or new construction, we have to be able to trust these numbers. Yes. Stick with them. Yes. Because this is a market and it's going to fluctuate. Yeah. And I don't want to play that game of waiting for unicorns of people with 50 grand in their pocket or cash buy. And um, so, yeah, that's, those are big lessons learned. And I've, I think that we're learning it too, because the house that we currently live in, we're like, do we want to sell this one? And use it to put more money into the other house or do we want to rent it out? So we're still going back and forth with it, but I will say our flop of Louise (laughs) has taught us, look at those numbers and it really helps me be a lot less emotional about it. Trusting those numbers. Yes. Amen to that. So yeah, that's, that's the biggest takeaway. And you, you've been telling us that from day one. And I remember it was really hot. You voiced us. You said, I am really worried about the people that are going in there and seeing these uh, prices skyrocketing and saying, well, I have, I have more leeway. Yes. I don't have to care so much about my budget. Yes. You're like, that's a gamble. You're like, I've been doing this a long time. These numbers aren't going to stay where they are. Yes. It's, it's always about following best practices, right? Like even, and it's really hard when you see, oh my gosh, it's going up $10,000 a month. This is awesome. I'm going to, you know, put more in and do all this. And it's great when it works, but when that shifts before you've sold, it doesn't work. And it's very stressful. It's hard. Discipline around following best practices, discipline and best practices are the, those are the biggest two things I think that we need to think about all the time because it's hard because we do love houses and it's hard to be like, nope, stick to the numbers, but this house, nope, stick to the numbers. I get it. I am exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just really grateful that I can only imagine all the flops we would have had (laughs) had I not joined the program. And um, I I deal with, I'm my own biggest critic, which I'm sure we can all say that we are, but I've just dealt with so much fear of failure over the years, um, having a son with special needs and it taking so long to get a diagnosis. And I went back to school to help him. And then when COVID hit, I was, I was a nurse and realized that he has an autoimmune condition that flares up when he's sick. So I had to quit my job as a nurse. I, I was also an FNP school, nurse practitioner school, which my goal was to become a nurse practitioner and help children like him. I ended up um, taking a hiatus on that too, because I was homeschooling him and he did end up getting really sick from a common cold virus and it set us back. And I, I just get to the point where I'm like, Oh, I can't make one more mistake. Oh gosh. I was just counting my failures up. Um, but 
by flipping houses, it gave me something more to do than think about his illness. Mm-hmm. It gave me an outlet to be creative mm-hmm. and to feel like I was managing people and that I was still um, a productive person. Because there were definitely times where I felt like even having the healthcare knowledge that I did, like my hand, it was just out of my control with my son. What's also been neat is my son, he's not in school full day yet. So when I'd pick him up, I'd take him to these houses or he's here and he sees me on the computer doing things and he's very inquisitive. And I like to believe that this is going to put a seed in him Mm. because there's definitely days where we've had to think like even remodeling this house, we're, we're making it for in case he lives with us into adulthood, but we, we ultimately don't know what his future looks like, but Mm. I wonder if maybe this will strike a passion in him to be his own boss. And cause he does, he does have that perfectionistic, trait of his dad, but he is very analytical and he's just so inquisitive about it. And, um, I think he's seen me struggle emotionally and have to recover from that and keep going. And that's a big part of his day-to-day struggle. So, um, there's definitely days where I feel like I'm messing up as a mom, as a wife, But when I think about what he's seen in these last few years and the kid it shaped him into, I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's huge. I don't even know anything else we could end on than that. That would be better. Like, that's just beautiful for real. That's huge. Congratulations on all of the things that you've, you've accomplished and gone through, right? We've all got, we've all got our stuff. I mean, it. It always makes us better. It does. It feel, doesn't always feel like it in the moment, but we have mm-hmm. to trust that. It will pass. It will pass. Mm-hmm. Oh, that trusting part can be hard. It is. Yeah. And uh, there were days when I felt like I couldn't speak to my GC <laughs> or I couldn't fix my son. Mm. I felt like I was helpless and then I would go and I'd get on our Facebook group page where I get in on a call and I'd hear what the flip sisters were going through. Um, or just for a minute, I would just take my mind off of my own struggles and just celebrate someone else's win. Yes. Doesn't that feel good? It's, it can help reset and reframe. Yep. Yep. And then just trusting it'll pass. And it does. Yeah, it does. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. All right. I'll let you go. I know you got a kiddo there. Thanks, Darcy. Thank you. I'll see you in the group. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. See, the reason why I think this episode is so important, well, one of the reasons, her story is just really powerful. I think her story of her son, I think her just her, her love for family, I think we can all relate to, right? We want to do everything to help our kid, uh, especially when they're struggling. But 
here's the point. <laughs> here's it. Well, here's another point. Here's an, here's another takeaway I want you to have from this episode. And that is when we are doing creative financing, when we are out there buying properties, it isn't about the property. All right. It's about the people. So the way she was able to help the property owner who was facing foreclosure and how that was all right, that all came full circle, right? Because she she and her husband were in that position previously and an investor helped her out. So she was able to pay that forward and help somebody else out. We aren't taking advantage of people. We are truly serving people when they don't think they have any other option. They don't know. Until you learn, oh, there are different ways to buy and sell houses. It's not just you go to the bank and get a loan. Until you learn there are different ways, you don't know any differently, right? Whether you're a property owner or an investor, you don't know any differently until you know. Anyway, so I just think it's really important to understand that we absolutely can serve people. And we absolutely can do this business in a way that is about people, not just profit. All right, that's my soapbox for today. If you want to learn how to buy, renovate, sell, or rent houses, and you want an amazing community behind you, and all of the processes, all of the steps, all of the how-to, step-by-step, plus best practices to follow, ways to avoid losing money, avoid making those costly mistakes. That's exactly what we do day in and day out. We teach women how to start and grow a housekeeping business that they love without being sharky, without taking advantage of people. So if you want to see how we may be able to work together, go to herfirstflip.com and fill out the application and book a call with our team. All right, until next time, go out there, flip houses like a girl, and leave people and places better than you find them. Thanks, and make it a great day. Bye.